on a mission. It's a mission to turn our world upside down. That happens when people hear the good news of Jesus. So get ready for God to turn you upside down. What comes to your mind when you hear the word evangelism? Or the words doing evangelism? In my mind, I picture something like this. Someone who's carrying their Bible, walking into a neighborhood, and starting to knock on doors. Or I think of a church maybe beginning a new program, a new ministry, teaching their members how to do evangelism. The teacher might assign a book. Maybe the class goes over one chapter a week. And those in the class will start to memorize some Bible verses. Uh, They might learn a three-point or a five-point gospel presentation. And eventually, they'll be told to go into a neighborhood, or they'll be brought to a street corner in a busy city, or they might be brought to a shopping mall, that they would walk up to people and just start sharing the gospel. That's quite a typical view, I think, of doing evangelism. And over the years, I've often done it that way. Years ago, I enrolled in evangelism classes, I memorized some Bible verses, I've learned a presentation or two. For example, the five-point presentation of D. James Kennedy, Evangelism Explosion, along with his two diagnostic questions. I've used the bridge illustration, drawing it on a napkin while chatting with someone in a restaurant. While these presentations can be good, often, I think, they miss something. Something very basic, something fundamental. And it's this. When believers do evangelism, it's often more of a presentation than a relationship. It's more about giving data than showing we care, that we really care for the other person. You know, Jesus was once asked about the hundreds of commandments God has given us. Which commandments are the most important ones, he was asked. And Jesus answered, just two of them. First, love God. And the second, love people. That as followers of Jesus, we must love other people to the degree that we love ourselves. The Apostle Paul later develops that idea. He writes that we as believers must put the needs of other people above our own needs. That, I think, is what's missing in most classes or programs about evangelism. That we as followers of Jesus must start, really, By loving people. In the Bible, the word is agape. Agape love. Agape love isn't, first of all, emotional love or romantic love. It's not primarily a a feeling warm or cozy kind of love. Rather, agape is a sacrificial love. A giving kind of love. A love that works to give God's best to the other person. It's the love found in John 3, verse 16, that very well-known verse. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son Jesus. God loved the world with agape love. And out of that agape love, he gave. You see, with agape, there's always a giving or a giving up, a sacrificing of something to help the other person. God loved our world. He loved our world in his agape love. 
Don't get hyper-Calvinistic here, thinking that God only loves believers, that God only loves the elect. No, in some very basic sense, in a creational sense, God loves all people for they are part of his creation and he cares for his creation. In 1 John, the first letter of John, we read this. We, we as believers love, because God first loved us. We as followers of Jesus will love other people because God first loved us. God showed agape love to us So we, in turn, show agape love to the people around us. So maybe it's time to just stop doing evangelism. Stop sharing out of duty or out of guilt. Stop the artificial presentations. Rather, just start loving people more. Genuinely care about the needs of people around you. Love them. Why? Because God first loved you. Now, interestingly, the gospel writer John tells us about God's agape love for people in John chapter 3. But then immediately after this, in John 4, John gives a very powerful illustration of how Jesus specifically showed agape love to someone. You might want to read, before we go any further, read John chapter 4. But just hear this from verse 4, John 4 verse 4. He, Jesus, needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. He needed to. Now, that wasn't out of geographical necessity. In fact, there was a very well-used, normal route for Jews to travel from the south to go up to Galilee in the north. And that road went around the region of Samaria, bypassed it altogether. That was the usual route. So Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria out of any physical necessity. It seems that John is saying something different. He's saying that Jesus had to go through Samaria because of this. That Jesus wanted to show his Father's love for all the peoples of the earth. You see, the Jewish rabbis taught that God loved the Jewish people. He loved his own people, the Jews, but that God did not love the non-Jewish people, the Gentile peoples of the world. It seems then that John is telling us Jesus had to go through Samaria for this, that his Jewish disciples had to learn from him, the master, that indeed God loves all the people of the world, no matter what their ethnicity or what their background. Now, most later readers of John's gospel might not have known this opinion of the Jews or the teaching of the rabbis from those early days. Remember, John is writing late. He's probably writing the last of the four gospels. And this is all written well after Paul went on his missionary journeys. And by that time, we know that dozens of Gentile churches had been planted, and probably thousands of Gentiles had already come to faith in Jesus. So in verse 9 of chapter 4, John adds this remark to, to let the people know how it used to be. Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jews do not associate with Samaritans. How important then that Jesus would display the love of God for his world, the world which included the Samaritan peoples. And not only that, but Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan woman. 
In the eyes of the Jewish leaders of that day, Jesus would have been committing a double sin. He's not only associating with Samaritans, but he's also talking to a woman. Later in the chapter, we're told that Jesus' disciples are shocked, especially by this, that Jesus was talking alone to a woman alone, an unaccompanied woman that was forbidden in that culture. So Jesus really had to go into that forbidden territory and talk to that woman. He had to show genuine agape love for all people, Samaritans as well as Jews, women as well as men. That has to be our starting point, I think, that we start by just loving people more, loving them with a biblical agape love. And out of that love, we naturally just go to them. We, we go to where they are found in, in all kinds of ordinary places. Now, most books and programs on evangelism will emphasize making a presentation of some kind, how, how to explain the way of salvation to an unbeliever. And yes, that is probably necessary to have some kind of organized um, presentation or, or biblical plan in mind. But in my experience, I find most church people struggle on a more basic level. How to genuinely love and care for the unbelievers they already know. How to just do that? To just love unbelievers and, and to want to be helpful to their unbelieving neighbors and co-workers and acquaintances, even when some of them may not be so loving. And you see, often that takes quite a bit of time to build a relationship of caring, a relationship of agape love, a relationship of helpfulness. In my experience, most believers don't have that much time, or they won't take that much time for unbelievers. Something else. When we read about Jesus' conversation with a Samaritan woman, we should keep this in mind. Jesus is not only a human being, but he's also God. Jesus not only has a human nature, but he also has this divine nature. And out of his divine nature, Jesus knows everything about this woman, even before he met her. He knows, for example, that she was married five times. He knows, for example, that she now has a, a live-in boyfriend. Look, when we meet someone new, we won't know hardly anything about them, not at first, and not even in the first few conversations. It will just take us some time. It might take us even months before we get to that place where we can talk about some deeper matters. Oh, giving a, a quick five-point presentation doesn't take much time at all. And the bridge illustration can be drawn on paper and explained in maybe just two or three minutes. But to show genuine love, honest, caring, well, frankly, that takes time. It just takes time. Something else I've been learning lately. Maybe I, I knew it instinctively, but I'm just starting to realize it more lately. I'm realizing this from some friends that I'm coming to know who are not yet believers. And it's this, that we as believers shouldn't go to unbelievers with all the answers to all life's questions. Yes, we have some answers to spiritual matters, 
But we don't have all the answers to all matters. <laughs> no, we don't. I think it's so easy for us as believers to sort of fall into an attitude of arrogance, to say or imply somehow that we as believers have answers for almost everything, and that other people, well, they don't have any answers. We, the believers, are wise, but they, as unbelievers, are ignorant. Again, don't get me wrong. We have some knowledge about God and his word. We have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to be trusting in Jesus and to be living for Jesus. But our unbelieving acquaintances and friends have wisdom and knowledge about many things that we don't. And they have insight and wisdom and understanding about many important things in this earth. You know, you only have to read about the beliefs held by some professed Christians on political matters. And you'll see very quickly that some Christians will hold very bizarre opinions and some very wrong opinions. And I don't want to get divisive here, but, well, I have some Christian acquaintances who are, well, they seem to be convinced that Jesus wants us carrying concealed weapons. And they'll argue about that even based on some biblical principles. Now look, it's all right to have an opinion about guns. But to say that this is the biblical view, that this is the best of Christian wisdom? Yet many Christians will openly claim this, as if they know best on all matters of politics or of, sci of science or of coronavirus. Look, none of us are like Jesus, with perfect knowledge and wisdom about all things. And even if we have some knowledge about matters of faith, we certainly don't have knowledge about everything. Probably not even most things. So let's be a little more humble. You know, lately as I think about my interactions with some of my unbelieving friends, I've really come to appreciate their total honesty that they bring in the conversation. Some of them openly will share their faults and their failures. Uh, some of their words, some of their openness and honesty make me wonder for myself, would I be as honest about my faults and failures as they are? And am I as perceptive of all my wrong motives and my bad attitudes as, as they seem to be? So I've been learning to regard relationships with unbelievers as a mutual kind of relationship. Yes, I can bring some good things into that relationship, particularly in matters of faith, things about Jesus, but they bring many, many other good things. It becomes a, a mutual relationship. It becomes a friendship, a back and forth. You know, someone has described sharing the gospel as this that it's simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. One beggar telling another beggar where to find food. I think that's a profound statement. And that as I'm talking about Jesus to an unbeliever, that I have to keep this in mind, that I too am a beggar. I too am a sinner. Even as a believer, I sometimes get confused about life, or I can become discouraged, or I can get caught up in sinful attitudes or behaviors. 
Out of agape love, we have to love people more, and agape love is love that is humble. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that agape love is not proud. It is never arrogant. We just happen to be beggars who were told where to find food many years ago. We don't deserve that knowledge or that wisdom. It was just given to us. And as a beggar, I myself have eaten from the bread of life. I've drank from that well of living water. Now I simply am sharing with others what I have received. Other beggars just like me. But all of this will take some time. Showing this kind of agape love will take time. How can we as busy believers ever find the time? Well, frankly, some believers cannot. Not in certain seasons of their life. Look, in God's providence, some of us right now are called to be husbands and wives. You might be in a season of marriage where that relationship requires some extra time. Or you might be parents of little children or of a teenager who needs extra attention. I've known some believers to get so busy in church evangelism programs that they've ignored their own children. If you're a parent of children, your first calling beyond serving the Lord is to minister to your children. And for many parents, that can take up almost all your free time. If that's you, then maybe consider this that you belong to the church as a whole, as a body, with members who have many different gifts, and some have extra time to use those gifts. Others in the church can now exercise an extra measure of love towards unbelievers. They have the freedom right now in God's providence to work at building relationships with many unbelievers and, and sharing with them. So relax a bit. You can't do everything. We're humans, not gods. Here's another thought. If you're in a busy season of life, maybe there are smaller ways in which you can show agape love. For example, you could invite an unbelieving acquaintance into your small group at church or in someone's home. Other believers in that group might connect more deeply with that person. They might be able to spend more time with them. Or once COVID days are over, invite unbelievers to come with you to attend a church service. That takes really no extra time and no time away from your family and children. But let's be honest. I think most of us do have time, or we can make the time. And that's what agape love calls us to do also. As Paul writes later, Don't only think of your own interests, but consider the needs of others. I mean, how much time do you need for toning your body in the gym or practicing yoga? or checking your social media. Be brutally honest with yourself. How much time are you taking for yourself and your immediate family compared to how much time you're giving to others? I've known of parents who've brought unbelievers into their homes to get to know them, to show biblical agape love. And those children of those parents have learned, by example, how to open up their lives and their homes in the future. And they're doing that right now. Parents can say this, and sometimes it becomes an excuse. I really need to spend extra time with my children right now. I need to model Christian attitudes and behaviors to my little children. Well, yes, indeed. But part of your parental teaching and example is to show Jesus' love for unbelievers. 
As parents, you have to show your children how to take time for others and to really care about people who do not yet know Jesus as their Savior. Look, it's the second most important of all God's commandments to truly love people in self-sacrificial ways, in helpful ways. Yes, first teach your children to love God above everything, but then, as a fast second, teach your children to truly love other people. Jesus had to go to Samaria. John 4, verse 4. Jesus had to show God's love for the world, for all people groups, even to those we don't naturally interact with. Jesus had to go into Samaria. His 12 disciples wouldn't have gone there on their own. No way. They were good, observant Jews, so Jesus had to teach them. He had to show them by his example even after Jesus ascended to heaven later, and even after the Christians were filled with the Holy Spirit, do you remember how Peter still resisted this? He refused to go into the home of a Gentile. Jesus had to nudge him and push him unwillingly to go into that home to share the gospel. Oh, there really is so much for us to learn. Maybe then it's time to stop doing evangelism. Stop the classes, the training, the memorizing, the canned presentations, and just start learning how to love people, to really love the world of people, even as God loves the world. And start to humbly love people. Care for those other beggars out there beggars just like ourselves. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Randall. This podcast is produced by my brothers in Christ, Dennis and Moses. Won't you tell your friends about us? We're Mission Upside Down.